Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? The church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is where our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's do this. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. What are you thinking about? We'd love to hear you express it. And I mean hear you express it. You can leave a voicemail, 877-282-2337. Or you can text on the newfangled texter machine thing that Jimmy set up. Same number, 877-282-2337. Standard text messaging rates apply. (laughs) What is that? That's the uh, disclaimer the FCC said we had. Wait, 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 wait. Where did they get? Are they listening? It's like the, everything else. It's the government. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have an ex. I've got a question for you about people listening and knowing what you're searching for and all that stuff on the internet machine. I'm not on LinkedIn, and by the way, I don't mean to brag, but um, apparently I've been getting noticed. That's right. I'm not even on LinkedIn. I've never signed up for it. I don't think I've ever visited the place. I think it's like where you look for a job. Uh, yeah. That okay. I haven't. I'm on it every day. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a revelation. I've never been on it. So why did how do they know to send me emails? I don't have it. Okay, any furthermore, this this mystery needs to be solved. Why is it that they send me things like Make sure you connect with Josh Williamson on LinkedIn. And it's like, how do you know that I know Josh Williamson? He lives in England now. (laughs) How do you know these things? They know. I'm telling you. So if you'd like to be known by your government, (laughs) 877-282-2337. All right. We start with Jeremy, who says, Todd, um, should we simplify the gospel for young children? For example, should we mention things like hell? Uh, It's two different questions, really. I think, of course, you need to put, present the gospel or any truth, biblical or otherwise, obviously at their level. But the issue of hell is a separate thing. I understand that you don't want your kids to have a fear that becomes paralyzing. But here's what I think kind of tips the ball for us as we determine, do we talk about these things and when? They're in the Bible. That, that God determined. Everybody needs to know this. Maybe a rule, you can make a decision about this as mom and dad, but maybe a rule is this. If God says it, I don't need to withhold it. Now, you can determine how you go about the business of doing that, the detail, etc. Up to you. But I think anytime we edit something out of the Bible for fear our child might get this feeling from it, or... Here's another tricky spot for you. And there's no particular age that I think we can say, yeah, this is when you do this and this is when you don't. What about all of these uh, different issues 
that are being discussed in our world today. Your, your kids are getting exposed to them. When do we start talking to them about those things? And the answer, unfortunately, these days is probably sooner than later. At what level? At the level that is appropriate for them. I, I, I don't think the conversation we would have about any of these, like the body mutilation issues with a 14-year-old, are going to be the same as they would be for a four-year-old. But let's use the Bible as our guide. If it talks about it, we can. And I think using your parental discretion. For instance, the story of David and Bathsheba. When do you tell your kids that story? Well, it's in the Bible. Want to be careful that I'm not making a decision for God that he's already made by putting it in there. Would I tell my little children about that? Of course I would. And they made a baby. That'd be, that'd be for the little kids. And they did, they did the procreative act that makes babies for the slightly older ones. And then at some point, they were intimate together. They fornicated together. They committed adultery get together. So if it's in the Bible, let's, let's not edit it out. But I do think you can make it age appropriate. Jimmy, you have children? I do. Okay. Do you think talking about hell is something that we should take out because the child might get scared? Uh, no. Because absolutely. it's the begin, beginning of wisdom. Right. And they, they should be. Everybody should be. There's a fascinating, this is, this is a refrain that you read about in the Old Testament, I'm thinking Psalm 103 in particular, that, that God does all of these things, wonderful things. It gives a laundry list, about eight wonderful things that he does so that we might love him. No, it doesn't say it. And well, there's, there's verses that say that, but that we might fear him. So shielding your child from God being big and scary and a consuming fire, I don't think we should be making those edits. Idea at wretched.org or standard text rates apply to 877-282-2337. Do we have to say that every no, single time? I think just once a show. What is a standard text rate? I don't know. That's you that was for text. Oh, that was my question when this was brought to me is doesn't everybody have unlimited text now? Well, you know what? Hold on, Jimmy. I, I can get this resolved for us. Okay. Hey, government, <laughs> could you send Jimmy an email and explain to him the rules on this? Thank you. All then. You've got my email address. All right. So uh, this next one is from Anonymous. Uh, this is an interesting question, too. Um, uh, she says, my family and I have been attending a church for a while, but are not yet members. They asked my husband to help with the music. I feel he should be a member before serving. It makes me wonder if we should join this church or not. What are your thoughts? Oh, because they're just going to let him be a part of the worship team. Oh, that look, that's a great consideration. This is understanding church polity, who gets to do what based on their status. They're a member. They're not a member, regular attender, deacon, etc. So your question, I think, is appropriate. Would, would I say this isn't the church for us because they're willing to let somebody who's a regular attender be a part of the worship team? I don't, I don't think that would be the thing. Now, it could be a thing that is a fruit of a deeper root that is problematic, like they don't really care who's involved in worship. We'll take anybody. We'll even pay the pagan, play the, pay the, you know what I mean, 
pay the pagans to participate in worship. Too much alliteration. I don't know how you Southern Baptists do it. And so they, they don't care about those things. I think that's a really bad ecclesiology. And that, that might cause me to go, no, this just, and if, if they've got that low of a view of ecclesiology, chances are pretty good they've got a low bibliology. So I don't think, I don't think that that would, on the face of it, disqualify a church for that. But you could certainly ask them about the process. It, to sit down, if you sat down with the pastor and said, hey, pastor, you know, we've been coming to your church and we'd just like to understand because, you know, we're considering committing to this church to become members. You invited husband to participate in worship, but we're not members and we haven't even been quizzed on our status of our faith. Can you explain to me the pro- how do things work around here regarding that and what motivates that? Do you have a statement any place about your ecclesiology? What are the bylaws regarding these things? Well, we just like to take these things seriously. And if you were to come, look, if the guy is like, well, look, that's just, yeah, I'm not going to go through out, then say, thank you very much. And then probably start looking. But any good pastor is going to be like, wow. All right, let's talk about these things. Always communicate. And that is almost always going to be the best resolver of all of these conflict issues. Jimmy, would you skedaddle from a church like that? I I would not. I would not. Um, I would talk to the pastor. I I do have another consideration for the question, too. Um, Just a curiosity that jumps out at me by the way she worded the question. Uh, She says, my family and I have been attending a church for a while, but but are not yet members. Mm -hmm. So my question is why? Yeah. What's why are you not yet members if you've been attending for a while? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, look, I understand. I really do. I understand you want to check the place out. But maybe just maybe in an effort to expedite the process. There's a number of things that any of us could do. First of all, you can listen to a lot of sermons online. Everybody's got them archived these days. So before even going, and then when you do go, rather than waiting for six months, okay, we've heard enough of the guys preaching. We think that he's sound. Expedite that. You, you, you need to be a member of a local church. You need it. I'm telling you, you need it. It is your safe place. There, you should have absolutely no expectations of pastors or elders helping or supporting you if you have not become a member of the church. You're just not in their flock. You're visiting. You're a guest. You need to be a member. So listen to their sermons online. And remember, try to, try to discover this big thing. I think there's a lot of questions that you can ask the elders, and you should do that. I think we've got them listed on our website, or it's a video, 20 five questions to ask before joining a church. But look for a church that is serious about the Word of God and elders that are striving to be biblical. And then you probably found a good church. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. 
That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? All right, well, buckle up, get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical true. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash f-o-u-r. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org/wretched preborn.org/wretched books of the bible First Timothy contains Paul's instructions to his protege for church leadership. Paul exhorts Timothy to confront and correct false teachers and to preserve sound doctrine through church structure and preaching of the word. The church has a responsibility to preserve and maintain the truth given by God in his word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The government's amazing and I love paying my taxes. Because they're listening. This is Wretched Radio. Please send whatever you want. Well, okay. That's not sinful. To idea at wretched.org. Don't forget. 877-282-2337. If you would like to text. And apparently you're going to get charged someplace. What is this standard text rates apply? Yeah, they used to charge for them, I think. Maybe they still do. Who? The phone companies? No. Yeah. That's my... I text. Free texting. <laughs> don't know. I, well, don't. I don't understand this at all. And so why don't other people, have, like you're on the street and you, hey, Jim, man, good to see you, dude. Text me. 
Standard, standard text rates apply. <laughs> I don't get this. 877-282-2337. All right. From Anonymous. This is a text that came in from Anonymous. Uh, uh, Todd, can you discuss church constitutions, specifically elder-led versus congregational-directed governance models and the hybrids in between? Oh, that kind of is the answer to the question. <laughs> so imagine, all the way over on the right, you would have a guy who is the senior pastor and he basically makes all the decisions. The elders serve and carry out those roles. So too do the deacons. That that would be, without being pejorative, an elder rule church and it's singular. Now, there could be elders ruling a church, same kind of configuration. They just decide everything. They direct everything. And people are to do what they are told. All right. Way over on the left side, you would, and and by the way, let's let's be a little bit um, careful that we don't think in right-left political terms here. I'm just saying the spectrum here, because uh, it, it, it doesn't help to say, well, which one is more conservative versus liberal? Because the Bible, I think, provides a great deal of liberty when it comes to church structures. That's why we are not told exactly how it's supposed to look. And that is why we've got so many different types of configurations. And I think it's part of the brilliance of the Bible because it allows for the circumstances, the setting, the cash, the talent, the people, the building. And we get to sort some of these things out. So don't think in like, well, Right is the really conservative one. That's where I want to be versus left is liberal. These are good Christians, differences of ecclesiological opinions. But on the left side, you would have congregational led. And that is the elders can be booted by the congregation, where the congregation really has the power and the authority even to instruct the elders. And so if, for instance, the congregation gets together and they say, we don't like the pastor anymore. And then if they get to whatever the vote is, 51%, then the pastor is gone. Okay. And then there's everything in between. <laughs> there's just such a spectrum. And my, my encouragement is that when we have these conversations, they are, they're just fascinating to have. Because if, you're, if you can really listen to why somebody is a congregational model versus an elder model, and by the way, from that elder rule model, there's, there's also elder-led, not elders rule. I'm just talking about the wide spectrum here. So there's everything in between. And you're going to have brothers and sisters that just do it differently. Presbyterians do it differently than Baptists. And Baptists have all kinds of ways of doing it. So you need to sort it. In your church. And furthermore, if I could, if I could just toss in one little shout out, your church is probably going to have bylaws about changing the bylaws. This is this is this is, I think, connected to the conversation. And this again takes me back to why the Bible doesn't have a particular chapter that just says, This is exactly how you order the church in your town based on this many people. Be willing as a congregation, whatever your involvement is with the changing of the Constitution, that you need to find that sweet spot where there are certain things we will never veer from these things. And those are going to be theological things. You're just not ever going to allow those things to be shifted. 
but the the polity of the church regarding things like hiring and firing, spending money, growth, moving, think, things that, that, that are involved in kind of the, the inner workings of the church, be willing to let the elders change those. Because I'm telling, without getting all lifeway on you, a church dynamic changes. If you are in business, you understand this. A company that does one million is way different than one that does five. And here's an interesting observation. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but there's a lot of people who start up a small business and it runs great and it does really well. We'll just use the number of a million dollars in revenue. And the guy, whoever the, the fellow is that started it, he's got his fingers in every single pot. But the business, it just keeps growing. But they find themselves struggling and things are getting harder and we're not enjoying the profits like we used to. What's happening here? It's because the leader didn't change. Because the dynamic of the business demands change and fluidity. And any business course will reveals this is like 101. One million versus you just have to have different structures. You have to have different policies and procedures, decision making authority issues. They have to change or you can't grow. Now, please note, as an aside to my aside, if you don't want your church to grow, okay, that's okay. We're, we just have to keep it here because we're not willing to change any polity. We like it just the way it is. We're going to stay at this number. That's your call. But if you want it to grow and grow and grow, don't let the elders deal with the essential doctrinal stuff or don't let the elders additionally Deal with what this church is about. We are, we're, this is who we, this is our identity right here. And nobody gets to play with that. But there are a lot of issues that can have some flexibility that are needed for the growth of the church. Let them tinker with those. Otherwise, your church will be stuck. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this next one is from Kenny. Todd, what are your thoughts on Christians using religious greetings and sayings from other faiths, like saying namaste to a Hindu? <laughs> because namaste actually has a meaning. It's <laughs> I went, there was a teacher who had namaste up all over the classroom in a public school. Um, you know, that's a religious greeting, don't you? No, that's like aloha. No, it's not. <laughs> namaste is the god in me bows to the god in you that is nothing a christian should ever utter now you say well people do just use it as a greeting doesn't matter that's what it means now we all know it and it's nothing that we should utter it, it just wouldn't be one of those things that i would allow myself to do even if i if I were trying to Romans 9, be all things to all people that I might win some, that, that is one consideration I, I, I wouldn't be willing to grant. I'd have to, I, at the, okay, so that's the only greeting that's accepted. All right, there's other ways to do it. I, for instance, without using a word, I could just greet people on the street like this. You know, Gilmer Pyle or something. Do just don't use any words. Eh. Again, just throw your head back a little. Eh. Or like when you're driving, this is a country thing to do. You just put up a pinky on the steering wheel. 
just anything. But the namaste, the religious greeting, mm, no. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is a text that came in <laughs> that works so good on radio. From anonymous. Todd, should Christians be in support of the building of a third temple? In Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you mean? Yes. Um, be in support of it? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I think I want to understand the word support. Sorry, but every word needs to be understood these days. I don't see any role for the third temple in eschatological issues. So does it need to be there or Jesus isn't coming back? No. Would I support it? Well, would I support anybody building a structure that isn't dedicated to the worship of the true and living God, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? So can they? If they want to, would I be like, ooh, that's exciting? No, not for any particular reason. And one additional thought about this, even if they do have a temple, they've got some issues regarding the, the, the lineage of the king. Those records are destroyed, 70 AD. They're just gone. Who, who is, who is a, an individual who is in the, the priestly line, the Aaronic line, the they, these days, rabbis think Cohen. If you're a Cohen, you maybe have a, a shot at that. But all of those records are gone, so you really can't replace the temple that was in Jerusalem. So do I support it? Um, I guess if I had to say yes or no. Eh. Oh, Jimmy, I know what I'd say. Go ahead and ask me the question. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, in the heart of Texas, there's been a significant legislative move, the passage of SB4, a law that criminalizes entering the state from Mexico by any means other than an official point of entry. Governor Greg Abbott is set to sign the bill. And a twist is that the law does not enforce deportation but gives illegal entrants a choice, either a fine ranging from $2,000 to $10,000 and a prison sentence of six months to 20 years, or a return to Mexico to legally re-enter. Some are calling the law unconstitutional. Texas, however, sees it a bit differently. And now let's talk about the power of words, specifically the word. A Bible translation agency, Unfolding Word, has been working tirelessly to translate the Bible into native languages, even in countries where Christianity faces a bit of hostility. In Iran, underground churches are thriving, and these translations are vital for their growth and sustainability. And now a bit of a twist if you haven't heard on the cookie-cutter approach to education. The Girl Scouts of America are offering a four-part racial equity training series covering topics like internalized racism and white supremacy culture. Thank you so much, Girl Scouts. I know the years and years and years of training on selling cookies made you such an expert on critical race theory. 
And venturing to the state of Tennessee, where the city of Murfreesboro recently passed an ordinance which banned indecent behavior, including acts like public nudity or lewd behavior. The ordinance, dating back to 1949, includes a clause about homosexuality, which the city manager declared as unenforceable under current law. To calm the storm of controversy, the city council voted to remove the word homosexuality from the ordinance. Well, then, Governor Newsom of California tweeted that Murfreesboro had banned being gay in public, which, of course, sparked a wide range of reactions, as you might expect. But the majority of them were not in favor of the lie spread by Governor Newsom. And over to Nigeria, where the tragic story of Pastor David Musa has been unfolding. Sadly, the pastor was kidnapped from his farm by armed terrorists who demanded a ransom of 20 million naria. And despite the church's efforts in raising and paying 1 million of the 20 million demanded naria, the kidnappers decided to go ahead and brutally murder the pastor after the ransom was paid. And as we tell you so frequently here on Wretched, please make sure that you're praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the heir of all things. All things were created for Jesus. When Christ returns, all creation will be given to him. And as our mediator, he makes us co-heirs and will share all things with us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wait till you hear this brilliant thought. This is Wretched Radio. Just dawned on me during the break. There's no need for a third temple because the former temple, it prefigured the one who tabernacled among us. Therefore, there is no need. What? Why? Why are you laughing at me? That is a brilliant thought. That was Jimmy's thought. <laughs> I was going to let you take credit. <laughs> but you didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. Uh, we, the temple has fulfilled its role. It pointed to Jesus. It, now, you know who the temple is? You know who the third temple is? You, mm. me, anybody who's a believer because God resides in his People, we are the tabernacle of God. That is why when we assemble together on a Sunday morning, oh, it's a beautiful thing because that's what the temple was considered, Jerusalem. And the temple, the most beautiful place in the world. Well, now the temple is gone, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't dwell in temples. You and I are the temples of God. And when we assemble together as little mini temples and to make a bigger temple, it is a denser manifestation of God's presence on this planet. And we are doing the most amazing, beautiful thing that we can possibly do when we gather together, which is why you need to be in a church as a member and not watching church online. Please send your thoughts. Maybe not going to be as brilliant as mine just was. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. Don't forget the old texter machine, 877-282-2337. Standard text messaging rates apply. 
All right, this is from uh, Anonymous. It is a text. Uh, uh, asks, Todd, my wife and I, who have been married for nearly seven years, have just realized that we disagree on if women should be or can be pastors. How can we come to an understanding as a couple if we don't agree on this? Uh, um, this just came out or somebody changed their position? Uh, that, that's how it's worded. Okay. Uh, th- th- this this might not hit the bullseye to th- was it a fellow? Who's, was it a, a, mm-hmm. anonymous? It was an anonymous guy, yeah. yeah. But it was a guy. Okay, sir, if I miss the mark on this, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to work with what we've got here. Those are some of the, no, those are the conversations that should be had before marriage. I don't know if you did or not, but really you do want to work through those things. Uh, it, it just, sort it before you say, I do. Have theological conversations. Where are you at with tithing? Where are you at with communion, baptism, gifts, cessationism, continuationism? How often do you think we should be gathering? What even get it? What do you? What do you? Sunday night? You cool with that? Get it going to church Sunday night? Why not? What about Wednesday night? What? What? You don't like going to Bible study? You want to have as many of those conversations as you possibly can before you get married, because dealing with them when you are, it can be very, very difficult. This has caused an awful lot of trouble. This is, it's not that you're necessarily unequally yoked, but if you're off on something that's practical, that really impacts where you go to church, that's a big deal. Now, back to you, Mr. Ananimu. What 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 do you do about this? I would say that you need to keep going to a Bible teaching church. Would I argue and fight with my wife about this? Nope. Don't think I would. Don't let it be a source of acrimony. But it is your role, though, like it is for both parties, to teach and to instruct patiently, lovingly, keep exposing her to good Bible preaching. And then on occasion, of course, sneak in a little sermon from Paul Washer on 1 Timothy 2.12, and that will be resolved. Please send stuff to idea at wretched.org, idea at wretched.org. All right, this is an email from Joe who asks, Todd, if someone breaks into my home and holds a gun to my friend's head, demanding that I deny Christ or else they will kill my friend, what should I do? I don't want to deny Christ, but I also don't want to want my friend to die because of my choice. Uh, oh, wait, uh, wait, I would make a correction on that. Your friend isn't dying from your choice. Your friend is dying because somebody is doing something wicked, evil, and unjust. So I, I, I would, look, I'm, I'm not saying that's the definitive answer to the question, but you're not the one responsible for the death. You are being put into an unjust situation. So you're not the one. If they weren't making that request, you wouldn't shoot your friend. So take that off of the table. But that doesn't really answer the question. So in comes somebody. They're going to they're gonna shoot my, deny your faith, or I shoot your buddy in the head. Is that basically the scenario that we got here, Jimmy? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. What, what would you do? Well, here's a question for you. How do you understand lying? The conversation about truth-telling has has been one that we bandied about for years in evangelicalism. The position that I hold on lying is a Christian can never lie, ever. But when somebody 
makes an unjust request. We have biblical models and patterns, the Egyptian midwives, Rahab, that if somebody is wishing to do harm to another, this is the Cori Ten Boom conundrum. You're hiding Jewish people in your attic and the Nazis are at the door. Do you have any Jews in your attic? What are they? You know what they're there to do. Slaughter them. It is not a lie to respond to an unjust question. And so if somebody makes an unjust threat, in order to save their lives, this is not pragmatism. This, this, this is being courageous. The Lord knows you're not denying him. Sees the circumstances too. So, would I say that you would actually be denying the Lord by accommodating their unjust request for the sake of saving a person? I know it's a bit of a philosophical question, but I, I just don't think that you would be sinning. I don't think that you would be sinning. And by the way, let's just let's just say somebody does disagree with me and. Well, that's never happened before, but if it did in this instance, let's just say somebody disagreed and you said, I, I won't do that, pull the trigger, go ahead. That isn't, that isn't on you. That would still be on the murderer. Jimmy, I think we found somebody who doesn't agree with me. Who? You. <laughs> no, I don't necessarily disagree, okay. but it just raises questions in my head. Well, there's lots of them on this. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this, but, you know, if I go all the way back to, you know, I don't want to be super spiritual here, but um, if someone is coming and say they're going to kill my friend, shoot my friend in the head if I don't deny Christ. Well, if if he's going, if my friend is going to, God, to die, God's already already determined that my friend is going to die. This is the means by which he's going to use for my friend to die. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's It's a wicked, unjust scenario. Right. And I don't, and I don't think that falling back on sovereignty would give me the direction and the ability to just say, well, apparently God's orchestrating this. Well, you still have human agency. Hold on. Let's go back in church time. When this actually did happen on a much more personal level, you deny Jesus or you going to die. And there were people who did. And, and the church then had to wrestle with, once the persecution lifted, they had to determine, what do we do with these people who denied the Lord? And I know that there were varying opinions about it, but I think it is fair to state, in general, the response was, deal kindly with those people. It's a really nasty scenario. And it, somebody trying to save their own hide, making that claim, it doesn't mean that they're not a Christian. It could have been terror. Let's, if you even believe that it was a sin, okay. But that doesn't mean somebody wouldn't be saved. So I still, if we're going to deal with our precise scenario here, make it more personal. What if, what if it's more than a friend? It's your wife, your kids. And somebody is, it is so unjust. It is so vile that I, I just don't know that I'd be, be willing to say you'd be sinning by denying just making it because you're not denying them. You're just saying some stupid words because somebody's got a gun to a loved one's head. Please send your thoughts on this subject, 877-282-BEEP or, yeah, no, 877-282-2337. That's it. 
idea at standard text rates might apply dot org. <laughs> Todd, what is your approach? This is from Rob. I think I know the answer to this, but what's your approach to effectively witnessing to atheists online? But same as anybody. It's fine to study different worldviews. It can be helpful. I grant you that. It's nice to know. Oh, you're a Sikh. I understand where you're coming from. Yep, I get that practice. But you don't need to know that. What you need to know is the law and the gospel. Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead, repentance and faith. You need to know your message, not their belief. You need to know your faith, not their. You don't need to understand their holy book. Phil, we get the point already. So study the gospel. Be prepared to open up the law to bring about the knowledge of sin. Scare them. Let the law scare them because they should be afraid. And then tell them about Jesus, who's willing to save even an atheist. This is Wretched Radio. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of Gospel Partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long-lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Masters Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash Pastor. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know that many of you have stood with us in the past, but we also know that it was more than just a one-time gesture. It was a step, a connection, a moment where your faith and your trust in us meant something. You handed us a torch. Now, just think about it. Imagine if you could stand firm with us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. We're talking about taking the torch that we started and adding fuel to it, illuminating the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to even more souls. We're asking if you could join us, not just for a moment, but for a mission. It's more than a financial commitment, and we hope that you realize that. It is a partnership, a gospel partnership, and the one and only thing in this world that matters at the end of time. Everything else burns away, but what we do with the gospel stands for eternity. The details, well, you can find them right now at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high. Teladocs, 
please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Attributes of God. What does it mean to say God is righteous? He is the standard of what is right and good. He is in strict adherence to his moral law, and he is the source of righteousness through Jesus Christ for every sinner who repents and puts their trust in Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to the Jimmy Hicks program. My name's Todd. <laughs> Jimmy does whatever he wants. This is Jimmy. You pick the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask me during the break if I want to touch. Just pick, pick whatever it is that you think (laughs) might have the most value for the most amount of people. Okay, so the question that you just answered about from from Rob. Oh, we're going to talk about that again? where he's asking about uh, effectively witnessing to atheists online. The other part of the question that we didn't get to was, do you think online witnessing is worth it compared, isn't worth it compared to in person? No, I think online can be an effective way to win. People get saved online. People get saved watching videos. People get saved listening to messages. People have been saved through communication. So if, and if you happen to be, by the way, This should be an encouragement to you. If you're somebody who struggles with the face-to-face business, but you're good at presenting the law, the gospel, repentance, faith, you know apologetics, get, okay, witness online. It's just a different form of communication. I think it's, I love face-to-face because you get to see the person, you get body language cues. Well, you're going to have to pick those up based on what they're writing. And made less you can see them. But I think it's a perfectly viable medium for people to use in order to share the gospel. A lot of people have been saved online. So if that's your bag, I say, keep on keeping on. Are we done (laughs) with that now, Jimmy? We are. We are. You ready to move on? It's up to you. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Because I'm a giver. (laughs) Thank you, Todd. All right, this one's from William, and he really wants an answer to this question because uh, he spent a lot of money sending this text in. Uh, he says, given the uh, one flesh nature of marriage, do you think it's appropriate to always study scripture with your wife, or is individual personal study still important? Sure, yes, they are both. And what, it, what don't forget about corporate, they're all important. You figure out the balance. I think that it's excellent to make sure that you do have alone time with the Lord, where you're reading the Bible, you're praying, but also with your spouse, with your kids, with the neighbors, with your church. It's it's consuming the word, the configuration. You wouldn't want to put a hierarchy on which one is most important. They're all good. 877-282-2337. All right, this is from Corey. Todd, I came across someone advocating uh, for conservative Christians to join liberal mainland Protestant churches to try to make them more conservative again. Mm. My question is twofold. When a church goes liberal, should conservatives stay or split? And two, is there merit joining liberal churches to try and steer them back to conservatism? I think the rule is our job is to be in a Bible-based church and serve. Our job isn't to be in a wonky church and save it. Not our, now, you might be in one of those churches, 
And if you have any access to authority, you're in a position of power, and you believe that you've got a reasonable shot at affecting change, then you stay there and you try to get that church that's going wonky back on track. That's a good thing. But to go look for one, I don't, I, I just, I, I, I don't think that's, that's our calling. I don't think that's the mandate. Find a good church and serve and help make it even better. Jimmy, that was the first. First part, what do we do if we're in a liberal church or a good church and it's going liberal? Yeah, what it, when a good church goes liberal, should conservatives stay or oh, split? Only you. I did answer it. Yeah. If you, if you, I'm pretty impressed with myself <laughs> right now. I think it's hard. I, 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 I Honestly, I see this a lot where you just don't know what happened to your church. You've been in a church your whole mm-hmm. life, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you have a new pastor who's been there for three or four years and it just goes crazy. What do you do? Where's my church? Do I smell the purpose-driven church? <laughs> it's right. Is that what that is that's wafting out of our pastor's office? Yeah, some of that stuff can get in there. And if I think the rule is, I think Phil Johnson is the one who shared this initially that I heard. If, if you don't, if you're not even a member, okay, you need to go find a good church and become a member. If, if you are in any sort of position where you can actually have an influence you could consider staying, but if you don't, you're just going to church, not plugged in, you're not teaching, serving as a deacon or an elder. It's just you you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna move the needle. And you're 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 gonna just have to find, I think, a better home. But you can stay for as long as you can if you believe, you know what, there's a shot at it here. And when this happens, by the way, which happens all too often, I gotta tell you, I really ache for the people. I mean, I've, I've talked to people. My grandparents started this church. And then my parents, and we've just dedicated and all the cousins and the, and then all of a sudden it's, it's, they, they're playing Stephen Furtick videos. What happened here? It's a heartache. one 282 Two three three seven. This one is from Mike. Todd, it seems I will remain single due to cons- consistently being rejected. So my question is, how can I remove my desire for marriage? Who says, well, why do you have to do that? And how do you know that you're always going to be rejected? And by the way, that is, I, I get that now. I understand because it's swipe, 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 swipe. Nope, 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 nope. Or you, you reach out once. It doesn't strike the right note perfectly. Swipe. You're next. Dump. Rejected. Okay. I, under, I understand that. But that does not mean that that will happen forever. People still get married. And it is just fine for you to desire marriage. Keep petitioning God. And then I would encourage you to consider, is there anything about me that could use some fixing? And you could use this as an opportunity for growth. So why are you being rejected? What is, what's the issue? What's the deal? Is it for a righteous reason? Then you can live with that, can't you? They just think I'm too Christian. Okay, well, you're not. Now, could it be, though, that you're maybe too aggressive with it? Sure. Could it be that your timing is off? Mm-hmm. Could it be that maybe you're coming across a little geeky? It's a possibility. Let your friends help you and use it as an opportunity to improve. And while you're waiting, become conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And even if the Lord doesn't provide you with a spouse, wow, look at the fruit that was born from that. 
Having said that, I would now like to commit to fulfilling a commitment that I've made to people who have who have rightly critiqued. Hey, all you guys do is talk about marriage. What about singles? You're right. We should. And this is this is one though that I think it always requires just a little bit of not nuancing, but caveating. Can you turn that into a gerund? The, the the caveat would be the 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 more regular pattern because because I don't want to say normal because it's not abnormal to be single like you're some sort of a freak show so I'm trying to parse my words rightly here I think most folks they end up getting married but having said that if you don't and you remain single oh well praise God for that then I believe you have the gift of singleness. You say, but I still burn. Now, that I don't think that's the gift of singleness. I think the gift of singleness is while you're single, it's a gift because you can serve the church more. When you get married, then you serve your family more. So wait where you are. If the desires of your heart are to be married, it is just fine to ask the Lord to send you a godly spouse. And if he doesn't, Relish your singleness. one 282 right, This is a text from Anonymous. Uh, Todd, I just heard about your demonetization on YouTube. Uh, do, you yeah, think yeah, do you think we're coming full circle with speech and that the only place speech will be free will be out in the open air? Yeah. <laughs> I hope not, but it sure could be. <laughs> it what? sure could be. What was the one that I was just reading? That the who is it that wants to start controlling the it's it's like some democratic deal they want to control oh is it Kamala Harris she, we we want to make sure that we have the ability to censor any content that we do not think is appropriate for America yeah that was that was Kamala these republicans they want to stifle speech what what are you kidding me Oh, man, Scylla, the gaslighting that is going on. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm not real sure the open air is going to be the, uh, is even going to be safe because, no. I mean, even over there, over in the UK, they're already, you silently pray and get arrested. Yep. It, that is, that's, that's why we want to burn our candle brightly while we can. So if you have the ability to witness Get on it while it's still legal because it might not be for very long. And that's why we're working like crazy around here to just reach as many people as we possibly can through as many venues as we possibly can. We're trying to be wise as serpents with the YouTube and the Facebook thing. We've kind of found our path on that. If I trying to remember the latest one where they said, we just showed, oh, wait a second. I know what it was. I had mentioned. What the president, I quoted the president of the United States when he said that he saw pictures of babies beheaded by Hamas. And you can't say that. I've actually got screen grabs of the president saying that in multiple YouTube videos. Preach the gospel while there is time. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>